I'm Kim Williams. I work for Minted and I've been working on design systems for the past five years. Let's get right into it, Kim. What is the most difficult thing you're facing right now in relation to design systems? Get it out of your system. The most difficult thing that I am experiencing right now is getting started, that I am new in a new environment, and more importantly, that I'm rolling up my sleeves and getting scrappy. So I would say the toughest part is being new and also shifting gears from um, having a lot of resources and a lot of team members to having a small and mighty team and uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to balance everything to get this work done. I love that word scrappy. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so scrappy means to me and what I'm experiencing currently is that we're you know, you might have dedicated roles, um, specialization for specific practices in larger teams, in a smaller team, you know, you're just doing it all yourself. <laughs> so project management or the producer role, uh, so planning to user research, to design, and yeah, I'm actually really excited about it, you know, making this shift from being quite hands-off and almost like administration and people support to getting back to design and being a designer. What do you think are the pros and cons to that? You know, what, what's like, what's great about being an IC and kind of rolling your sleeves up versus what's great about, you know, doing the management part and leaving the IC stuff to, to others? That's a good point. And I should clarify that I'm doing both, right? That I'm both IC and also uh, leading the team. Uh, pros and cons about both. Let's see. Cons, freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about all the things and leaving kind of the comfort of having had so much resource. So that's kind of like the con of a shift to be a little bit more scrappy. The pro, of course, is getting closer to the work. I feel so excited. I feel um, getting back to my roots and why I am even in this industry to begin with. Uh, so those are the, the, the con and the pro uh, for the scrappy move. And I think pro and con for being a part of the larger team. I think you do get the dedication, you do get the resources, you do get um, more leverage. You already have a dedicated path for the work. Um, so you feel like you can give it the care. Whereas I'm the path that I'm on now, I'm already thinking about, okay, what is the product roadmap? And of those things, how am I going to fit design system upgrades into the existing product roadmap. Yeah, I got it. I, it seems like there's this accepted notion, where, which is that if you work at a big company, then you can have a big team, right? And if you work at a small company, you might have a small team. Is there a reason for a big company to have a small team? Like, have you seen that before? Or would you ever engineer that, that like a bigger team, you know, or a bigger company can still do well with a scrappier team? Does that, does that work? I think it comes down to ratio. I'm just imagining 
that it's the ratio of the demand on the team relative to how many people they're supporting. Oh, interesting. Okay. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah. I, so I, I, I think larger organizations have to have more people to support just the all of the demand, the, the level of service that's required to support 50 PMs and you know 1,700 engineers is going to be different than the level of support required for you know 5 PMs and 50 engineers. It's it's just it's every company adjusting to the demand. Okay, so I guess along those same lines too. I mean, it sounds like a safe assumption would be if you work at a big company, your design system has to be a big one. And if you work at a small company, you can get away with a small design system. Do you, do you believe that that's true? I'm going to find out very soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I think that that's a fair assumption. I, I think that that's a fair assumption. I think more than anything, what I'm experiencing now, it's not that you're skipping any steps because I'm not skipping any steps. It's just, it's accelerated too. So less layers of people in terms of like buy-in and organizational structure that you have to navigate. So it's, it's not skipping steps because you're, you know, you have to go through the process, but it's also because it's smaller, it's, it feels like it's moving much faster. Um, that being said, I'm, you know, just a couple weeks in, you know, so it's hard to say, but I would assume um, that speed is going to be the biggest differentiator. Yep, got it. So just for context, you have you have worked at large companies before and you've moved to a smaller one now just, just recently. You talked about one of those changes being, well, you're now in an individual contributor role, uh, whereas you weren't before. Um, but you're you've you're a man, you're still managing now, and you were managing before. How has your management approach changed at a smaller company now, or how do you anticipate that it might change versus when you were managing at a large company? That's a really great question. I feel like going smaller. I feel like I'm a, a better manager. I feel like this is the best management I've ever been able to offer. Because, you know what, I went through a lot with um, the larger organizations. I had a lot of successes. I had a lot of failures. And I've grown so much in, in the past few years. And so I feel like I have so much to offer. I feel like I'm in my zone and at, like, the perfect time, you know. With all that's happening in the world, I feel like I offer my team stability. Like, I know about working rhythms so just like little things that i've picked up and i've learned from other leaders too um, such as you know the the work rhythm so having these rituals so mondays and fridays are light and so the team has heads downtime they can focus tuesday and thursdays we have reviews um, wednesday is a meeting heavy day um, where we sync up um, amongst ourselves design and with pm and engine so we're like just those things like really really good management techniques that i've picked up from others along the way that i feel like i have so much to offer this team now and i feel really really proud to be able to give them that sense of comfort you know little things like 
I ping them about taking water breaks and stretch breaks and having walking meetings so that I know that they're getting out of their homes every day while we talk. And so in these really uncertain times, I lean on the empathy and the situational management training and support that I've had throughout the years to offer more than I probably could have years prior. Yeah, got it. What, what are some of the other variables that, you know, you mentioned being in your zone now, what are some of the other variables? Is there a particular, you know, size of team that you're like, this is a sweet spot, you know, or what are some of the other variables that contribute to this being a, a really good fit? Hmm. I think the biggest part of it is that it's, for me, just having the freedom to kind of have at it, so to speak, and, okay. and be able to make choices with my team and kind of move forward. So I think just like for me, just being able to, I think the, the speed, being able to move quickly with the team and build consensus quickly and move forward. It's just easier. <laughs> when it's a little bit smaller. <laughs> yeah, I got it. Now, it, can you talk a little bit about how your team does or doesn't use a design system? Because you're, you're not just in charge of a design system there, you're the head of product design, right? So that probably encompasses a lot more. Do you use a design system and how does your team interact with maybe another design system team or oversee that design system? Yeah, so we do oversee the design system and we do have a dedicated partner in engineering, a staff UI engineer that uh, is leading up the design system effort. And what's great is that that partner ha has onboarded with me. And so we're both starting at the same time. We're both going through the auditing process and really, really thinking through how we wanna build this thing together, which I think is really awesome. And he comes from the industry with a lot of experience as well. And so it's, it's a really, really great fit. It sounds like, a, that um, one of the best things I can tell from this culture is that everybody's already bought into the design system. There are like zero sales that needs to happen <laughs> at all. So that also makes it much easier. Everybody's just really hungry to make improvements to what's there and see the system proliferated throughout the site. So there is a system, it is being used. It's not as consistently being used and it's not everywhere. So that's gonna be the goal. There, and, and there are some holistic challenges with it too. And so I think for us um, getting started, it's completing this audit phase and then um, mapping out like the core opportunities in our project plan to kind of move forward and, and address them. Cool. You mentioned earlier that getting started was just a, a tough thing. And so it sounds like you have gotten started, You at least with audits. Can you talk about how you came to the decision to go, all right, let's start here. Like, why, why audits? How did you, why did you decide to start there? And it was also my partner, um, Ian, who is on the technical side, that he's just like, I am starting a JIRA board <laughs> and I'm going to go point for point through all of these components. So I was following his lead. I think it's a great place to start to just see what is here, you know? I think it's easy to fall into the trap of being new, starting new in the design system role and wanting to blow everything up immediately. <laughs> I think it's really, really important to 
take a step back and really, really understand where everything is, why things are the way they are, the rationale that got everybody to that place, um, so that you can then make the appropriate transition to the next place. Yep, got it. Let's go back to being scrappy then. Let's say you had a magic wand and you could hire, you know, you open up headcount and you have more budget that you can hire more team members. What's, what's missing? What would you hi who would you hire? You know, what roles? What would you need in a way that you, right now you're only addressing by being scrappy? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, a role that is often overlooked is the content designer, the content writer. Like so much about systems is being able to effectively articulate how to use the system, how it works, what are the mechanics behind it, and writing in a way for all of the different audiences, right? Like your engineers, your designers, all the different types of designers, visual designers, brand designers, interaction designers. And so I don't think we give our content peeps enough credit for how much we absolutely need them. And so I would definitely say content because communication is critical for design systems. I would also say other roles. I mean, research, I think, is another one that's always like sometimes back burner because if you're lean, you don't always get a researcher. And, and so I think that that's important too. How is it working internally? Research on your internal customers and external customers as well. So yeah, I think those two roles often go unfilled and I I'm always interested in complementing the skills that we already have so we're already strong on the design side so I'd be interested in bring on special roles that complement you know what the team has yeah all right so maybe we'll end on this so I, I take that to mean you don't have those content designer content writer roles or research roles so back to being scrappy again how are you filling the gaps with Folks that don't do that professionally, <laughs> what, how does your team manage not having a researcher or not having content designers? What do they do instead? Yeah, that's a really great question. So this is where we up-level our own skills <laughs> and we rely on our network. Um, so I have an amazing friend, Leanne Waldel, and I actually chatted with her yesterday. She has been um, an incredible user researcher for like, the last 20 years, his long career. And, you know, we just chatted through like, here's how you lead a scrappy user research study. Here's how it's done. Here's the basics. You knock this out of the park. This is it. Here's some scrappy tools. You know, you don't need a big budget. And so I think it's us like really having a growth mindset and we're always learning and up-leveling our own skills. And then on the content side, you know, it's interesting because I've always firmly believed that great designers are great writers as well. And so it's just forcing us to be more thoughtful about our words and invest the time there as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's when we don't have those specialized roles, it makes us more of generalists and forces us to hold ourselves to a higher bar. Like we may not have that specialist but we're gonna make sure that this content is as great as it can be and that this research program is thorough. And so getting up and running, it's 
pulling on the resources that are already out there, pulling on our network, up-leveling our education, not reinventing the wheel by having done all of that research ourselves. And so, and and just tailing everything for what we need. It's like just enough (laughs) of everything that still allows us to accomplish what we need to accomplish. I love that. Well, there you have it. The most difficult thing Kim's up against regarding design systems is getting started and being scrappy. Kim, thanks for getting it out of your system. I'm sure you're not the only one that's facing this. I'm Dan Maul from Super Friendly. Thanks for listening to this episode of Get It Out of Your System.